Hosea chapter 9, verse 1, and it reads as follows. Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people, for thou hast gone a-whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved the reward upon every corn floor. The floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. And they shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, neither shall there be pleasing unto him. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted, for their bread for their souls shall not come into the house of the Lord. What will you do in the solemn day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For lo, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up, Memphis shall bury them, and the pleasant places for their silver nettles shall possess them. Thorns shall be in their tabernacles. The days of visitation are come, the days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool, the spiritual man is mad. For the multitude of thine iniquity and the great hatred. The watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all his ways, and hatred in the house of God. They have deeply corrupted themselves, as in the days of Gibeah. Therefore he will remember their iniquity, he will visit their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. But they went to Baal Peor, and separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according to as they love. As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird, from birth, and from the womb, and from conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them. That, that there shall not be a man left. Yea, woe also them when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I saw Tyre's, is planted in a pleasant place. But Ephraim shall bring forth his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord, what wilt thou give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal. For there I hated them. For the wickedness of their doings, I will drive them out of mine house. I will love them no more, and all their princes are revolters. Ephraim is smitten, their root is dried up, they shall bear no fruit. Yea, though they bring forth, yet I will slay even the beloved fruit of their womb. My God will cast them away, because they do not hearken unto him, and they shall be wanderers among the nations. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us the Bible and a chance to look at your word and to learn from your word and to study your word and to love your word and honor your word and glorify your word. Be with me now as I try to speak from your word right now. And may this you know, word be part of us and be manifest in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Continuing now our study of the book of Hosea. We've been going uh, systematically and orderly through uh, the prophetic parts of this book. Starting in chapter 4, we start to hear God's message to the people of Israel. Chapter 4, remember, laid out the accusations. This is what you guys did wrong. It basically threw it all out there. All of Israel's idolatry, all of Israel's wickedness. That's how they had gone against God, how they had gone wrong, their sin. After laying that out, there was the warning of judgment. Hey, you guys have done all this stuff. Judgment is coming. Watch out. Watch out. Judgment is coming. And of course, behind that all, the motivation also to call to repent. Repent of your sins. Then there was the offer of repentance. Right? There's a way out. Come back. Come back. But we saw uh, chapter 7. Chapter 7. 
given that chance, they were too locked into their ways. They couldn't come back. They were already set into their ways of sin. And so, in chapter 8, which we studied last time, we saw that the result of Israel not coming back to God, not repenting of their sins, was God says, fine, here comes the judgment. Right? And once again, we saw in chapter 8 all the bad stuff that God had coming for Israel because of their idolatry, because of their whoredom, because of their sin. Right? Last time, as we looked at chapter 8, what we saw about of the people of that time, right? That even though they thought perhaps, perhaps they could cry unto God, they revealed their heart through their actions, right? What did they do with their treasures, their riches and stuff? They gave them to idols. They put their money where their heart was for real. They might say through their mouth, of course, we're the children of Israel. We're the children of God. Yes, God, we love you or whatever, right? But through their actions, they didn't follow them at all. Their actions said, we follow these idols. Their actions said, we put our investment, our time, our energy into something else. This is not, this is not what God wanted. And it's no surprise that when their true intentions are revealed, that God says, yeah, there's a judgment coming. And of course, for us, we talked about last time in our own lives that really the way we see how we live our lives, how we prioritize things is kind of revealing too in terms of what are our priorities? What do we care about? And is God satisfied with what we're doing? What do we do with all our money? All our, is all our money going toward frivolous things, thought things that God wouldn't care about? Or is our time, our effort, and energy directed towards something God glorifying. And that's what we talked about last time. Today we continue on with our study of Hosea in chapter 9. As I said, chapter 9 speaks of the coming judgment. The coming judgment, right? And I'll also observe that there's a lot of good prophecy in here that we know that's come true. That's come true, right? In verse 3, it talked about how Israel, right? They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, right? Ephraim shall return to Egypt. We know from history that this is what happened later on to the children of Israel, that they were kicked out of their land, taken over, sent to different places like Egypt, like Assyria. And these are the places that are actually mentioned in the Bible right here, right? Verse 6 again talks about how Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis, which is a city in Egypt, shall bury them, right? How bad is getting in Israel. Verse 7. Verse 7, it says what? It says, the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. That's the way the people had come. You know, before in the olden days, right? The priest, the man of God was revered, right? Oh, you know, we respect, we care about, we learn from these people. Now, oh, you're the spiritual man. You're talking about God. You are a fool. You are a madman. We don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Kind of reminds us of today, right? How some people think of uh, people who are spiritual today, right? They have these crazy beliefs. That, that back then, you know, thousands of years ago, same type of idea. God talks about in verse 10. He talks about this. He remembers Israel, right? When they were like grapes in the wilderness. 
He saw your fathers in the first, as a first ripe fig tree, right? He's saying, way back then, right? When, when Israel, you know, many years ago, they were like a fresh grape, a fresh fruit, right? They were pure, right? You know, grapes in the wilderness, right? Untainted, organic, right? The most organic you can get, right? Where it's just wild and growing free. And back then, that's the way Israel was in their relationship with God. So fresh, so clean, so pure. But even the forefathers that were so fresh, so clean, so poor, pure, it says in verse 10, they eventually went unto where? Unto Baal, right? Baal, if you remember, is like an idol, right? They went to Baal, right? They separate themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according to as they loved, as is written here. And so it's written, the judgment is coming. The judgment is coming. We see in verses 11 on, this judgment seems pretty horrible, right? So it says, their glory shall fly away in verse 11. But here in verse 12, it says what? It says, though they bring up their children, I will bereave them. Now, if you guys know what bereavement is, right? Bereavement is like a heavy sadness, sorrow, right? It talks about what? What is it talking about in terms of children? Verse 13. God can't make it more clear, right? Ephraim shall bring forth his children to the murderer. Oh, my. That sounds horrible, right? Verse 14. Give them, O Lord, what will thou give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. More horrors, more horrors, right? Verse 16, they shall bear no fruit. Though they bring forth, yet I will slay them, the beloved fruit of their womb. My God will cast them away. They shall be wanderers among the nations. And indeed, Israel became wanderers among the nations. That's how you have so many Jewish people wind up all over the world, right? In Europe, in the United States, all over the place, because they were made wanderers. But I just want to talk a little bit about this serious, serious judgment that, that we just read about right here, right? When you think about bad stuff, right? Bad stuff in general. I think one of the worst bad stuffs most people can think about is stuff like, oh, children die, right? That's pretty bad. Sounds horrible, right? You remember a couple of years ago, the one, the one mass shooting that sticks in the minds of most people was a Sandy Hook school shooting. Why do people always remember that one? They remember that one because, you know, some crazy person killed some kids in school, right? We know that there's shootings that happen every day and, you know, in many countries and all over the places, even in the United States. But that one's very memorable because, hey, we find it kind of shocking, right? That, oh, kids, they died, right? You know, God gives this judgment here. And, you know, some people might look at this and say, wow, isn't this extreme? It's extreme, right? So Israel sinned. So Israel didn't worship him. Is it right that he punishes this country, you know, entire country worth of people, right? Israel was a whole country back then. Whole country worth of people. Punishing them by giving them this horrible curse, not just on them, maybe the wrongdoer, but on everyone, this whole country, even on their children, right? That the children might have to suffer such a horrible, horrible fate, right? So think about that a little bit today, right? And say, wow, does this make any sense? What is God trying to say here? What is God trying to do here? Why doesn't this sound messed up? Isn't our God a loving God, a caring God, a just God? How is this right? 
So we talk a lot about, you know, if you've been around our church long enough, you talk a lot about how, uh, how important it is to worship God. In fact, if you listen to our junior church or whatever, sometimes you hear this phrase, worship God or die, right? And it sounds familiar to some people, right? Now, we know that that's not literally true, right? Because some people say that to me. They say, we heard the junior church message. They basically said, you need to worship God or you'll die. And, you know, Nathan said something like, oh, this guy didn't worship God. He got cancer and he died, right? Some horrible story like that, right? You guys have heard that a million times, right? Is that true? Well, we know it's not literally true because if it were, then everyone who is not here in church Sunday morning today would be dead, right? The whole world would only be consisted of Christians, right? Well, it's not literally true that only people who worship God are alive and people that don't worship God die. But is it true that there's a judgment, a judgment on people that do not worship God? That is true. And we see from this verse here, these verses here, cannot be more clear. Israel was with God. God blessed them so much, so much. Israel turned their back on God. God has a serious, serious punishment for them. A punishment all of us would agree is horrible. It's bad. Now we note this. The punishment is generalized, right? It's not necessarily universal. Is it true that every single child in the country of Israel died? They were sent to murderers. No, because if that happened, there'd be no more Jews today, right? They would have all died back then, right? So first, we got to remember that when we hear these horrible, horrible punishments, we know that God is working on his terms and his way on the people that he is subjecting the punishments to, right? And that's in his wisdom and his discretion. It's not necessarily a hundred percent, oh, everyone suffers this and everyone has this issue, right? Like I said, otherwise... Everyone would have been dead, right? So we know that's not true either, right? We have the, the facts to back that up. But we know that he gave this punishment to them. And I think part of it is for a very important reason. To illustrate the seriousness of the situation. Right? Serious. Like I said, this is a horrible, horrible, horrible punishment. But God wants to illustrate the seriousness of what was going on. Remember, in the book of Hosea, what we have here is an illustration of Israel's sin, and that extends to an illustration of our own sin and our own need for repentance. Right? In the beginning, Israel turned their back on God in the same way all of us sin. When we sin, we are essentially turning our back from God, right? We sin, we didn't follow him, we obe- disobeyed his commands, we sin. And there's a judgment for that sin, right? Back in, in Hosea's day, God warned them that their country would be ruined if they didn't follow him. In our day today, we don't follow him. We have the warning from God too. We will be ruined if we don't follow him. There is a way out back then in Israel's day, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's the same way out today, right? There's a way out today that even though we sin, we have a way out. We have a way to get back in God's good graces. Our way out is believing in Jesus Christ, putting our faith in him, repenting, saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I need Jesus to take away my sin. He called them to repent back then. He calls us to repent now. And we know people back then didn't answer the call, and people today don't answer that call. There's many people. They hear about Jesus. They still don't say, 
Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I want you to save me from my sins. Jesus, I need you. Help me. I need to repent. Just look out in the street today, Sunday morning. There's so many people not in church, not worshiping God, not repenting of their sins, not believing in God. Finally, there's a judgment. So we read about the judgment back in Old Testament times. And there's a judgment today. Those people that don't repent, that don't turn away from their sin, what is their punishment? Their punishment is the lake of fire. Their punishment is hell. Now, if you guys are witnesses, you know that we tell kids, right? When we tell them about Jesus, what is hell like? What is the lake of fire like? Tell them it's the worst thing imaginable, right? It's the most horrible thing imaginable. It's somewhere you wouldn't want to be for one second let alone for all eternity, right? So if we wanted to find a comparison, and God's doing this illustration of, oh, how Israel didn't turn back, didn't repent, and they faced the horrible punishment, just in the same way, if we don't turn back, if we don't repent to Jesus, we'll face a horrible punishment. What is comparable? I think the judgment laid out here is pretty comparable, right? Pretty horrible to say, Israel, you as a nation, your children are going to be cursed. You know, how much so do we, especially nowadays, some of us as parents, feel so strongly about our children, right? And how much love do we have toward them that we would never, ever want to see anything bad happen to our children, right? Or even if it said what? In verse, uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 14, when it talks about our children that aren't even born yet, right? When God talks about how we'll have miscarrying, miscarriages and stuff. Now, I don't know if many of you guys know people who have had miscarriages, right? If they're Christians, right? You know that They take it pretty hard. Why is that? Because we as Christians know that life begins at conception, right? So even then, this is like a, a you know, even though you wouldn't say, oh, it's the same thing as sending your, your kid to like, you know, some horrible tragedy. For us Christians, we know that it's still also a tragedy. Many Christians feel that same type of uh, loss when you lose a child in that way too. That kind of feeling. That's the feeling that God was trying to communicate to Israel. He was trying to warn Israel. This is what's coming. This is bad. This is your last call, Israel. Right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is the same thing that, that confuses people today when we think about, is worship God or die true? A lot of people say this. Oh, you have all these warnings and stuff, right? Here's a bad thing coming also. But look, there's Johnny Jim down the street. He used to go to church. He quit. He didn't show up. And guess what? Nothing bad happened to him yet. I didn't see this huge judgment. He seems like a normal guy. He's living his life. He seems happy, right? And then I see, you know, you know, Jim Bob over there, right? He goes to church every week, right? And then something horrible happened to him. He got cancer, right? Or he got this horrible disease or whatever, right? That doesn't make sense at all. This does not seem like, oh, there's some kind of judgment or whatever. That judgment is coming on those that don't worship God, just like it happened to Israel back in the Bible times, right? If we don't repent, if we don't come back to him. Right? You guys have seen that, probably observed in your life. You probably have, if you teach a Sunday school, maybe the kids have asked that question before in the past, right? How sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense. And part of it comes from this. We can't see 
from God's perspective. We're looking through our very narrow view. Our very narrow view. We think this is the way that makes sense. We think it's as easy as the Nathan story, right? That he tells the people in elementary school. Oh, the guy stopped going to church. He got cancer. He died, right? The one that didn't, that didn't stop going to church, he got blessed fabulously. We look at it through such a narrow, narrow vision. We see only what we believe to be cause and effect. But we don't have God's vision. God looks at things in a different perspective, from a different angle, and a different view of time. Look, when he promised all this judgment to Israel, did it come the next day? Didn't. Did it come the next month? No, it didn't come the next month. The process of Israel being conquered as a nation, the people being scattered, all this stuff, it took years and years and years before all this stuff was effectuated. I bet some people in Israel probably didn't even realize what was happening. They never realized that, oh, this is the warning from Hosea. This is our judgment finally coming. Maybe they'd forgotten about it. Oh, it's been so many years or whatever, right? Since he said that. In the same way, when we look at our lives, we can't always judge and think like, oh, you know, only this happened to me because something ha- I did like yesterday, day before, whatever, right? Only that would make sense, right? This guy is getting off forever for all the sins he did, right? He did all these sins, never catches up to him. We don't know that. We can't put it all on God and say, oh, this is the solution. This is the way it is. Because we can't see. We can't see what God has in mind five years from now, ten years from now. We can't see what God remembers from five years ago, ten years ago. God's perspective and God's wisdom is greater than ours. He was able to see back in Hosea's day the entirety of what this nation was doing and how they were going wrong and fashion a judgment for this nation that he thought was appropriate. Again, not a universal judgment, but a judgment that he thought would express the message. The message so strong, how strong was it? We're still studying it today, right? The lesson was so good that thousands of years later, us here in this room and people in churches all across the nation are still studying what did God do and what can we learn from it, that judgment. That's the way God works. That's the scale that he works on. We can't just say, hey, oh, you know, instantaneously, we expect a great blessing for worshiping God, or instantaneously, we expect a great punishment for not worshiping God. But we do know this. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to repent and seek Him for salvation. And we know that if we do that, then what follows is in God's hands. We'd rather be in God's hands than out of God's hands. And these verses really hammer that point home. That not being in God's hands, that not having God on our side could be a very, very bad thing. Now we're going to go on and talk more about God's judgment when we talk about chapter 10. But we're out of time right now. So right now, let's bow forward to prayer and wrap up. Dear God, thank you for giving us Hosea chapter 9, a pretty gruesome chapter about how your judgment is coming on Israel. Lord, Israel didn't repent. They didn't turn back from their sin. They didn't turn to you. God, may we learn that lesson, you know, by saying this word that we all here need to repent. We need to turn away from our sins. We need to turn to you 
God and you alone to save us from your judgment. And we know ultimately your worst judgment is a lake of fire, right? The worst, ju- the worst judgment possible, everlasting hell. We don't want that. We don't want your punishment on earth or after. We want to have you being our peace, our comforter, our guide. We thank you that you've given us that chance. You've given us Jesus. You've given us redemption. And we're so thankful for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks. We're going to go meet back on the other side for the second half now.